Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you with us on the podcast this week. It is Robbie Croyle. Hello. Jennifer Bartlett. Hi. And myself, Logan Daly. We are coming at you with all sorts of tasty goodness that did not fit into the sermon. Mm. Oh, man. Well, you know, it gives us a lot of footnotes fodder when we cover such huge swaths <laughs> so of the Bible. So better than boop, apricot buble. That, one, all right. So context, context. You're like, why is Rob talking about <laughs> apricot buble? Um, one, because he needs to get his eyes checked because this is not buble. This is LaCroix. Um, so there's, <laughs> the there, there's a thing. The can was turned. Yep. Excuses, excuses. Excuses, excuses. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, anyway, I am, I am Just drinking. Just because you can read it from, from I am, foot. I am drinking apricot LaCroix. You almost said Buble. <laughs> I nearly did. And I'm sitting six inches from it. Man, it's time to get the eyes checked. All right. Anyway, so uh, I'm drinking some of that. And uh, Rob seems to think that it would be disgusting, but... It's delicious. I just said Way that this is going to be so much better. <laughs> as good as apricot buble is. There, there, there you go. <laughs> uh, apricot angry water, nonetheless. <coughs> oh, man, this is going to be one of those episodes, isn't it? The flavor of water, if you said apricot from across the room. Yeah. Look, I yeah. found one of your nose pieces. Ew. I don't think it was used. By nose piece, she's talking about the piece of gaff tape that I use to keep my mask up while singing. Uh, mm. If you're watching the, the the stream or in church, then you're like, why does Logan have gaff tape on his nose during service? That's why. Desperate times call, call for desperate You know, y- y- adapt and overcome. That's mm-hmm. what I'm all about. Adapting and overcoming. I think we have faces for radio or for podcasts because both our masks, neither one of our masks want to stay on. <laughs> yeah, you were str- yours was struggling this week for sure. Uh, both my masks, one wants to fall down, which is the one that I end up taping up, and then the other style wants to ride up and cover up my eyeballs. Um, <laughs> it's just like trying to cover as much of my face as poss- possible. It's uh, providing a public service. Our masks Nonetheless, are trying to leave. They're trying to exit stage. Stage up? up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's like no 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 just uh, just just cover that up anyway uh all right yeah so <clears throat> we're covering all sorts of stuff today so let's dive into it uh first off we really do need to address the gigantic shortcoming that was the live stream this week um whoops uh if you've if you've seen the replay then you'll notice because i explained it at the beginning we we messed up the uh we messed up the audio something fierce uh i had my my laptop microphone it was just using the built-in microphone off my laptop, and and my and, and I was like, "Why is that so bad?" Oh, it's because my laptop was sitting there with the fan on, and so you've got this constant hum that's occurring right next to the microphone. Oh, man, oh, it was. <laughs> my laughs were probably so loud too because I was right on top. I of it. didn't. I didn't get that far. Get that far, or pain myself because it it pained me. Like it, I took it as a personal affront on myself. From myself for not <laughs> catching that setting. Like, Logan, you idiot. What have you done? 
past self, why would you do this to I me? I was exactly. <laughs> I was so angry with myself. <laughs> and then the backup audio was where. And then the backup audio from the USB. Because at first I was like, oh, I'll just take the backup audio recording and I'll put that onto the video and it'll be fine. And then I go to open it up and it says that the recording is from December 31st, 1969. And how many bytes was <laughs> Zero kilobytes, yeah. which apparently this is when like the clock started for computers or something. Was it on, on 1969? They, 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 they're all zeroed at that date or something, which is why if you have a corrupted file, it will save it to that. Or I don't know what happened, oh. but I wept bitter, bitter tears and screamed very loudly in my house in, in frustration. There was nobody with a beard around for me to pull it out, so I couldn't go full Nehemiah. But... Uh, you, you know. didn't, didn't think to pull out your own. <clears throat> no, I like myself too much. <laughs> Narcissist. No, what, ah! what you had to do was do your sermon a third time. What I had to That's... do was text Rob and be like, all right, what do we want to do? Here's the options. And Rob was very good. He was like, I'll, I'll come run slides. I was like, okay, that makes it easier. So then I got to do the sermon again. And uh, yeah, that was pretty great. That was pretty great. So there's a shortcoming this week. We roughly, that was a lot of roughly right. Mostly not, not, just just rough. It was just rough, yeah. Yeah, oof. Right. A little heavy grit sandpaper. But anyway. Way to persevere. You know, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Whew. Right there. I just Beautiful threw all, segue. you know, Absolutely. Just, just, I can just soldier through because God gives me strength and power to conquer and overcome. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, was the perfect segue. That was really good. I'm kind of proud of myself for that one. <clears throat> so uh, I mentioned this in the sermon that uh, at least one of the services, one of the times that I that I did the sermon, uh, when we get to chapter 8, it's verse 10 here, and we're all familiar with this, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Uh, this, this, this passage where we quote this verse, Quite often, it, it gets it ends up on tea towels and little artsy Etsy sort of photos that people have used uh, very pretty writings to to make. Um, and the the thing there is that it's not actually. I think we we misinterpret that a little bit sometimes. Um, <clears throat> so if we go if we go into the. Uh, we go into the, the Hebrew and we look it up. It's this word. I'm going to probably butcher it. Meos. Uh, meos. 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 My blue letter go. has the option to play the pronunciation. <laughs> that, that's a terrible option. <laughs> I would, that, would, that would take all of the fun out of it, Jen. Come on. <laughs> we're supposed to just stumble through this like we know what we're doing. Um <laughs> Oh, good stuff. <laughs> anyway, it, it's this it's this Hebrew, it's this maos. Uh I think yeah, that's it, that's there. Now, the Strong's definition for this word is um H5810. For anyone who's interested, a fortified place, figuratively a def- a defense, a force, a fortress, rock, strength, um or a stronghold, right? Uh, now this gets uh, in KJ. It translates it as strength a decent number of times. Strong fortress hold forces fort rock strength. But it, it's this. How often do we we use this as a kind of the I can go do something 
Mm-hmm. Joy of the Lord is my strength. It's going to propel me forward, right? Um, kind of an offensive, not not offensive in the in offensive term, but an offense term, right. as opposed to being defensive. He is my refuge. He is what I fall back on. Uh, which kind of, if you read, if you read that passage in eight, this is because uh, the people are weeping. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, "Said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't be grieved. You can rely on God to protect you. He's your refuge. He's your refuge. He's your fallback." as opposed to we're going to go take ground. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of an, an an interesting little bit that I thought uh, it, it gives it some different different depth, a little different flavor. It doesn't change it, of course, what it's saying. It says what it says. But it, it definitely gives it a little bit different flavor, um, a little more depth, a little different color, maybe. <laughs> so. I like it. The introvert in me likes it because it's like, all right, I'm just going to go hide in God and he's going to take care of it. Oh, <laughs> no, it doesn't mean that. It means <laughs> I take it back. I take it all back. <laughs> oh, no. What have I done? All but right. Jen's not doing anything. Peace out. <laughs> oh. Well, if you think about the. Uh, The imagery, I mean, of that time, having having walls, especially when we're thinking of Nehemiah, but having walls around your city. Protects you. Uh, mm-hmm. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I mean, and you just pictured, in particular, Jerusalem, inside these walls and this place of worship, this this uh, this, this city that's seen as this refuge and... Uh, a place of connection with God. Like it's such a rich picture. Wow, yeah. They've just finished the walls. They're yeah. safe behind their walls and yet they're mm-hmm. weeping. And he says, No, no, no. Oh man. Pointing at the walls. Those aren't your strength. Those aren't your refuge. The joy of the Lord is your refuge. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, that tickles. Mm. Yeah. That'll preach. That's so yep. good. Shoot dang. I'm gonna have to go back and do the sermon again. I'm kidding. I'm never no. <laughs> Record it one more time. Three nope. and done. <laughs> Play it again, Sam. Come on, Picasso. Put down your <laughs> paintbrush. <laughs> <laughs> no, Michelangelo is just going to keep chipping away until the David is a big old pile of gravel. Anyway, it's foreshadowing. Y'all figure that out in a couple weeks. But nonetheless, uh, oh, speaking of you know trying try try again to get the the implications right. Uh, Rob, you, we had, I, and I mentioned this the third time around that we were going to make you talk about this cause I was still not going to get it right. Um, cause they were all bamboozled in my brain. Um, but we had, when we were, when we were plotting the sermon, that sounds so devious, plotting the <laughs> sermon, <coughs> when we were conniving as to the words that we would preach, uh, laying out the dastardly plan, um, you would come up with, uh, we were in the first call to action, talking about repentance. Um, you had jotted a note on the board talking about how it was important to agree with God. And then you wrote, you, you wrote, agree with God who what? 
Now later, when I was working on That's this, my shorthand wasn't it? Yeah, it was that was your that was your shorthand. That's what and and I was and you had talked about it and and I vaguely remember like I, I remembered bits of it, but I didn't remember the whole. I didn't. I hadn't grasped the whole concept that you were trying to get across, and so I applied it into my own. We got to agree. We got to agree with God who I've hurt and what I've done to hurt them. Like we got to clarify these terms and we got to start from this place of understanding. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now you had a completely different aspect that you wanted to highlight out of this agreeing with God. Yeah, because that's actually part of the second step. So, so repentance—a <coughs> a picture for repentance—is is you're driving down I ninety, you are heading uh, east on I ninety, okay, to go to Seattle. That would not what what what. And <laughs> and Siri says you turn need to around. turn around. It was gonna say east on I ninety is not gonna get me to Seattle. It no. will get you to Niagara Falls. Touche. <laughs> so I go the long way around. Um, yeah. So <laughs> repentance has this idea that that I realize I'm heading the wrong direction, and I and I turn around. So, mm-hmm. but by agreeing with God, first of all, agreeing with who God is because. At the core of the problem of uh, Israel up to this point is there's a lot of gods to choose from. Mm-hmm. And who are you going to agree with? And so by agreeing that God is God and that he's, he's an authority, that's a starting place mm-hmm. for repentance. Because otherwise, you know, if I wrong you and you go, hey, you lied to me and, and you shouldn't do that. Well... Why should I not lie to you? Like, if it works, if it benefits me, why should I not lie to you? Well, because God says, don't lie. Don't lie. Well, but who's God? Sure. Okay. You know, if I don't believe there's a God, if I don't trust don't, in God, if you I don't, don't align with that, then what reason would you have to use that as a moral standard? Right. Well, sure. That makes sense. So you have to agree with God both in who he is and what he says. Yeah. Well, and he, yeah, it would be a part one, part two. Because you couldn't believe in what he says without believing in who he is. And in the story, the people, you know, in chapter eight in particular, they, they say, you are this God. You are this God that let us out. You are they, affirm, they affirm his relationship and how he has done and what he said. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they affirm who he is as a person, and then they, and then they agree with him. They agree that what we've done has been wrong. Yeah, you you, know, so, you have been faithful. You are good. We are wicked. And everything that you said is correct. We should live like this. It is better. It's our for our very best to live the way. You have said to live. Yeah. Sure. And then they clearly state what they've done. And we have acted wickedly. And that's where the Logan version of agreeing with God comes in. Yes. Yeah. yeah and that yeah. and that really it would have fit better in that second and it it, it kind of bridged the healing. Like it was really hard to separate the the call to actions of gr- repent, heal, and grow. Because mm-hmm. there, there's so much overlap. Mm-hmm. In each of them, right, and it's not a this then this then this. It's a they're all happening at the same time to a certain degree. Sure, 
Um, Absolutely. Which did make it kind of hard to communicate that. Um, it's <coughs> like a snowball rolling down a hill. Once you start it, it's all of those things are just there. Yep. So when a so when a politician, and I think this is an example I use, politician, they have this big offense. Sure. And this little apology. Mm-hmm. I think where they probably where they fall short is agreeing with God. Like they may be upset that that this is hindering their public perception. Man, I'm angry that my hand got caught in the cookie jar. In the cookie jar, jar, <laughs> cookie jar. Yeah, man, I'm really, I am really sorry that y'all found out I was embezzling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really sorry y'all found out about that intern. Yikes. Right. But I'm not sorry that I actually did it. Right. I'm sorry that I got caught. Yeah, and as soon as we could get back to living life as normal, that'd be, you know, that'd be preferable. You know, yep. is, is and I'm gonna better. I'm gonna say these things. I'm gonna do my public penance. I'm gonna do my, you know, I'm gonna go off the grid for eight months and then I'm gonna come back I'm and it'll waiting. be just fine. What? Yep. I'm not referring to anything. Wouldn't dream of it. Yeah. So remez for some of you to catch. So agreeing with God, staying clear to what what you have done, and charting a new course. These are three key elements to repentance. If you're missing one of these elements or all of them, then you're not even repenting. Yeah. You're not. It's it's a it's an apology maybe, but but there's no there's no real there's no change of heart. Right. Repentance involves that change of heart, which comes from aligning with who and what God is. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Boom. That was tasty. That was good. That I-91 was good. That was a good analogy. Yeah. Well, like, good you, can't ha- you can't go east. <laughs> oh, man. You, you you had me. Hook, line, and sinker. I'm like, wait. No, no, that's wrong, Rob. You don't get to Seattle by going east. Turn around. Repent. Oh. Uh-oh. Even Siri knows that. There it is. I don't know. I don't trust her. I use Google Maps. Recalculating. I don't trust any of them. I use a physical map. (laughs) If I'm on a serious road trip, it's a a paper map. Let's be honest. You are such an 85-year-old man. (laughs) And an 85-year-old man that does not get lost on road trips. I remember one time in Spokane, Google Maps or Siri or whatever had me drive in literally a square and took me back to my original location and said I was there. I was not there. It was so confused. Well, you you, you were there because GPS was telling you where you're at, but you are now here. And it was not where I was supposed to be. I'm like, take me to the Idaho Center or the, the Spoke, what's the, the, the arena? in oh, yeah, Spokane. Spokane I'm like, yeah. take me there. And it like got me off the freeway, drove me around in a big square, and then was like, and you're here. <laughs> you lying little piece of <laughs> digital trash. <laughs> Had some strong words that I didn't get to use because I was in a youth vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get to Winter Jam. <laughs> so good. Anyway. Uh, Hashtag oh, not triggered at all. No. <laughs> And thus, I use physical maps. <laughs> uh, all right. <clears throat> Speaking of sin, 
uh, <laughs> the sin that is on my heart. <laughs> let's, uh, I mentioned this a little bit. Let's talk about, let's jabber about this for a minute of uh, the individual versus the communal uh, kind of views, aspect, outlook on, on sin. Um, <clears throat> I think it came up, I was talking about um, the kind of, there's a, there's a little bit of a different perspective on East versus West, mm-hmm. East versus West. There's a lot of S's in that phrase. Um, but there, there's a little bit of a different perspective in how we view it. And so when we're looking at this passage and they're confessing um, their, their ancestors' sins, uh, Lauren actually had a great question that she, she asked me after the sermon, and she said, so they're confessing their past, like their, their ancestors' sins. What does, what does that mean for us? Like, is that something we should be doing? Should I be... Oh. Re- should it like should I be confessing my my ancestors' sins and and of course this triggered in her mind we both grew up in southern Idaho, um, familiar with Idaho Falls and and Mormon culture down there. Uh, one of the things that they do is they baptize for the dead. Mm. Uh, I'm, I I might have been baptized into the Mormon Church by I think we had a great aunt that was I think she went off. Well, no, I wouldn't have been baptized for the dead. Um, but there's definitely like people that you know, in the family or whatever, <clears throat> that they go back and they, they baptize their past ancestors somehow ritualistically. I don't, it's, it's wonky. But this concept of confessing for, like, because when we think confessing, I think I confess what I have done. Mm-hmm. I can't confess what my parents have done. Right. Right. Confessional, almost Catholic-esque. But is that right? Right. I think in terms of, the book by um, the emotionally healthy leader, little EHL, little Pete Scazzaro. Love Pete, and he talks about uh, your shadow, and he talks family about of origin, family of origin, and, and mm-hmm. understanding how you understanding your past. Yeah, you yeah the. Yeah. And like your your grandparents on both sides, and your aunts and uncles, and and just how, and your parents and your siblings, and just how everybody has a tendency to interact, mm-hmm. and and to look at that and consider why do I respond to certain situations, like the in a knee jerk reaction, it's a little sure. event, but I respond like it's a big event, and so. From that standpoint, I think there's some real value of, of understanding our history, understanding the things that, from a family standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, can lead us astray or or can be a temptation. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I think there's a even bigger than that. Um, the example I used with when I was talking with Lauren, I think I I, I mentioned the Crusades, mm-hmm. right? The Crusades, as a church, like as a body, as a nation, if you will, of believers. <clears throat> I don't mean America when I say nation. I mean, I'm talking about the Big C Church as a whole. The movement. We have had times where we have not, we have not been in line with God's will. Whether that be the Crusades, um, 
I'm pretty sure you'd be hard pressed to find anybody that would say, yep, God definitely, that's definitely Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now at the time they were convinced, right? Um, now does that mean that, that we should be, that I, I personally, I'm, I'm personally confessing that? No, it's acknowledging that as a part of this body, this is where we've been, and we need to remember that so that we don't screw that up again. Right. And that's the act of confession that I, th- I think we see occurring here with the nation. Um, well, there's manifest destiny sure. in the U.S. That's it. Uh, yeah, more slavery, recent. Slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of... Even, even the way... Our, um, church doctrines have been used within the public sector mm-hmm. as far as it go- comes with uh, the advancement of, of uh, women's rights. And, you know, the, the church, by and large, was th- was the uh, or church doctrine, I would say, would, um, when it came to discrimination against... Uh, Against women at the federal level mm-hmm. um, was really driven by church doctrine uh, mm-hmm. that said, you know, yeah, you know, women stay home in color, stay sure. home, raise kids. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. You know, so those kinds of things. So so in that aspect, yes, that's there. Like there is a valuable lesson in here, and there's a balance between. Um, or there, less of a balance. There, there's an understanding of the purpose of this, right. um, of talking about sin, confessing sin at a corporate level, um, that if if it goes off the deep end, um, you could end up with some baptism for the dead. You know, weird, yeah. weird, wonky. That's not that's not right. Um, but on the flip side, if you ignore that, then you're missing. You're missing out and probably doomed to repeat the sins of the past would right. be where I would say. Um, and it should probably inform your individual confession. Uh, so interesting conversation there. Really good question from Lauren. Uh, thanks for that. <clears throat> That's a great question. I love that, w- that she's asking that. And Yeah, that was it was really good. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I'm thinking of back to the Pete Scarzero um, like comment, like, he has people go through and do the family genome. I don't know if you guys did that or yeah. if that's in the and you like get to see like the family for generations and you kind of start to see a pattern of sin mm-hmm. in your family's life. And so um that would be something if you're trying to figure out like what is the generational sin in my family's life? Like Maybe I don't need to repent for it, but I need to know what it is so that I don't keep repeating the pattern. <coughs> yeah, it's uh, I we talked about this. Oh, when did we talk about this? It would have been probably five or six weeks ago, I think. It was pot. We I I think we call I call them potholes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, we've also mentioned and and like removing a rock from the path, right? Right. Um, we've talked about this. I think we've talked about this a couple times, actually. Um, of this, like, okay, if my family, I'll use my own as an example. I've got three 
three of my four grandparents were all exceedingly type A, probably workaholic would be uh, would be the the term. Maybe all four of them, um, but three of them all shared one specific like high controller type A perfectionistic. Um, which then I see down, okay, both of my parents are perfectionistic in certain ways. And then I look at myself and I look at my siblings and we've all got a certain flavor of uh, perfectionism that comes out in various ways, whether that's fear of failure, whether that is just straight up debilitating perfectionism. Like We've all got this. And so for me to understand and have this look back and say, oh... Like this is this thing that we keep passing down mm-hmm. generationally. And if, you know, if I don't want to pass this on to my betta fish, then I need to make sure, I need to be cognizant, and I need to be aware of this. It's not just your betta fish. It's anybody who you disciple. Also true. <laughs> also true. It's I'm anybody just trying to make you, a joke. It's anybody that you have <laughs> influence. <laughs> because cause sometimes we, we, we have a tendency to kind of focus on our family of origin or... You know, mm-hmm. just inside the four walls of man, I don't want to pass this on to Jacob or Josh or Joy or Jasmine, but but the ripple effect is community wide. Sure. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's completely correct. Anybody that I'm discipling, I'm gonna pass that trait down to right. to a certain degree. And of course it's going to be stronger in your actual biological family because you spend more time with them. But I feel like Judaism as a whole has a better handle on their past mm-hmm. than than Christianity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look, all of their festivals, uh, well, I, I don't want to say all, but I, it might be all. It's definitely a lot of them are revolve around remembering their past and remembering the stories of their people. Um, yeah. You know, take Passover, for example. That's remembering the Exodus. Right. Uh, take uh, wait, Hanukkah is remembering the um, oh, which Maccabees. one? The Maccabean revolt, right? Yeah. Um, that's the only that's the only festival that they have that's not actually within the scriptures. Yeah, yeah, but but even then, so continuing on past you know past the departure of of the scriptures and and Judaism, it, they're still like this is part of who they are. They remember where they came from. Yep. So, <clears throat> important stuff there. Cool. Let's uh, let's actually let's talk about this petition, the the chiasm. Um, at the center of this, at the center of this chiasm, is this petition for deliverance. And uh, yeah, so the the oh, there it is. chiasm starts with. With a praise at yep. nine verse five, and then the next level is confession of ancestors past sin, and then there's uh, at the center of the chiasm there's a petition for deliverance. Then then coming back down the other side of the chiasm, confession of present generation sins, and then what matches up to the praise as the bookend is a lament. And what I found interesting in just looking at this is that this idea of uh, petition for deliverance, what, what the author seems to be saying here, highlighting, is that our petitions for de- deliverance needs to include both praise and lament 
but also confession. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we want we want God to deliver us from whatever our circumstances are. Mm-hmm. But we may not be ready or willing to praise him. I think the lament part comes easy. Maybe. Um, I find it really fascinating, <coughs> and I I learned this early on in my walk with with God uh, when I went through a very challenging period of my life. But David starts a lot of his psalms with a lament mm-hmm. that turns into a celebration. And I think that's what I think that's a that's worship. That's what what honest worship looks like when you're when you're facing something really challenging. But so it needs to include both confession and celebration of God for who He is. If this petition for deliverance. Seems to be what the author's trying to highlight here. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I kind of hinted at that of talking about what if, uh, what if one of your prayers looked like this? What if you, what if you had a conversation with God that looked like that? We started with praise, then evolved some confession, mm-hmm. then, uh, then moved into this petition, which, oh, yeah, that's right. I made a connection, uh, I think it was the third time I was preaching. <laughs> I was like, oh, that sounds really similar to the Lord's Prayer. Which we talked about when we talked about the Lord's Prayer last where we broke that down. And you, you've got this at the beginning, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Praise we start you. off with hallowed be your name. Like, you're, how, how, you know, holy is your name, blessed be your name. We're starting off by praising God. Right. We're acknowledging who he is. Um, that kingdom come, that will be done. We're acknowledging, like, this is more of acknowledging him and his. We still haven't gotten to anything that we're praying for. Right. We're acknowledging who you are, what's driving you, what your mission is, God. His glory. Absolutely. Um, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Same thing. Give us this day our daily bread. Now we've come to... Now we've come to the petition, mm-hmm. right? We're saying, uh, the, "This is what we're. This is what we're after. Mm-hmm. This is what we need. This is what we, we're, we're yearning for." Uh, and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those trespassing against us, uh, or debts, or debtors. However you want to, whatever version you're you're reading from. Um, confession on the back half of this. Um, so the front half, you're confessing who he is. Right. Your kingdom come, that your will be done. Back half, like, this is where we're screwing things up, and we're wicked. Like, you've dealt with us well, and we're wicked. Um, and then, you know, it moves on from there. But with the at the tail end, it's more praise, less right. less lament. Um, but to me, like, the, the, there's a vibe. Uh, to run a vibe check on this. Like, they feel very, very similar. Mm-hmm. in their structure um and i don't think that's accidental well and when i when <clears throat> i pray through the lord's prayer if i am facing something you know that's where the praise and lament kind of gets intermixed for me and it's, mm. it's like 
I know that your kingdom's going to come. I'm not seeing it right now. But I know that you meant this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think you're you're right on this. It is that same chiastic form. There's a structure here. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a structure of how. I don't want to say the only way to talk talk to God or how we're supposed to talk to God, but a beneficial manner in which to interact right. with our Creator. Yep. Um, something to be said for that. Yeah, all these elements. Um, need to be there. The, the Lord's Prayer, I think, is a great template for that. And that, and really, you can look at that as a template. It doesn't I don't think you necessarily have to pray those particular words. For me, um, those words end up being a launch point for a larger conversation. Sure, right. I think. Well, just from for me at least, when we we did the the sermon series on that two-weeker on the the Lord's Prayer that should have probably been a six-week because we're really good at biting off more than we should chew. Uh, Classic Mission Ridge. (laughs) But... uh, (laughs) When was that? That was... End of last summer. Okay. Right before... I think that was right before September. Wasn't it? Or was it right after... No, it was before Christmas. Right before September or August. That's what that would be. <laughs> September is launch month. That's when we did uh, SCMD and, and Vision series, if I remember correctly. And then, and th- yeah, it would have been, I think it was right before. It was, we did Philippians in July and August. And then we did two weeks of Lord's Prayer, end of August, beginning of September. And then we got into the story that we tell. Yep, there it is. I remembered it was bridging. It was a we're oh well. Let's talk about the Lord's Prayer for two weeks before we come back and launch after Labor Day or whatever. The only series that we didn't bite off more than we could chew was Jonah, and even that was oh we tried. <laughs> <laughs> we tried. <laughs> that one could have been a couple weeks longer. Let's make this bigger and better. Let's go. <laughs> Which is like, wait, there's so much here. Oh mm. man, pound cake. Yep. Nonetheless, anyway. Uh, well, let's wrap her up with some riveting conversation about Levitical law. Let's go. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so the end of uh, the response to all this confession that the 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 people here have. Is they set this firm agreement, um, this they're, they're going to set this new covenant, this firm agreement in chapter 10. Um, and they wrestle with, how are we going to take, these are the laws that we're reading in, in, the, in the Torah, in the scrolls here. We're hearing these, they're reducing us to tears because we've screwed them up. Um, what are we going to do as a people to take those and apply them to our context? What are we going to do to get us back on track? And what do we need to, what specific guidelines do we need? <coughs> so I kind of, I went through them a little bit in the sermon. There's these seven, these seven bullet points that they hit, right. um, that they clarify or they modify or they whatever to. Um, beginning with, uh, and this begins in 1031, 
the prohibition of marriage to non-Israelites, uh, which uh, I'm, I'm working off of my, my notes from Tim Mackey here. Uh, dude, dude is brilliant. Um, says, this follows from Ezra's exegesis in Ezra 9 uh, and 10.13. This represents, therefore, a revision or rather updating of the law. Um, in order to retain a vitality of the older laws, originally given, we have seen for quite a different purpose, uh, the specific list of names is replaced with the more timeless peoples of the land. So originally it said the Moabites, or it listed off these um, specific groups that they weren't supposed to marry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead they open it up and they just say the peoples of the land. Right. Um, and they make it much more generic. Um so that there's they they re- they remove the wiggle room, right? Which I think is intelligent. And if we're setting up boundaries for ourselves, sometimes we're going to need to remove the wiggle room, right? Right. Um, <coughs> setting ourselves up for success in recovery, if you will. Uh, the next one is the clarification of work prohibited on Sabbath. Um, they didn't. The original laws didn't specify what kind of work. Um, that was assumed by the Sabbath laws, and that's in Exodus. You can look that up in Exodus 20, uh, 23, 34, uh, specifically 34, 21. Um, the Amos's words in Amos 8, 5 represent a clarification to include trading, but a, at a later period, the question of trading with whom arose. Mm. So it, it's going to be interesting because we're going we're gonna to talk about Sabbath here. Uh, in upcoming weeks, we're going to go through that. And so this wrestling with what does Sabbath look like, this is not new to us. Mm-hmm. They're having to do this. All right, what work is allowed? What work is not allowed? We see Jesus dealing with this. Right. Um, of how do we interpret what God has told us? How do we apply this? Um, <clears throat> you know, what is, what is the specific rundown? Uh, third one is this year of release. Uh, this this has to do with every seven years they're supposed to let the um, they let the the land should be fallow for one year and seven, um, and that the poor should be allowed to enjoy the benefit of any produce that grew wild upon it. That that's out of Exodus uh, twenty three. Now, there's no evidence that they ever actually observed this as a nation. Um, there's some mild debate as to whether or not maybe they cycled. And so it wasn't a everybody in the nation did this every seven on years. the seventh year, but it was a cyclical, like you have your field and every seven years you let it lie. And so it's scattered. Mm-hmm. Um, it's possible, but they don't, they don't have a great record of this. It was also, um, you were also supposed to uh, release Anybody, anybody who had become a slave, who had become indentured to you, mm-hmm. we're supposed to just release those on the seventh year. Um, so that that got linked in there, but uh, yeah, so that was they clarified, they clarified and reset to doing that, which then they never really did. Uh, they introduced this annual three shekel temple tax. Uh, which they didn't introduce it. They just reaffirmed this, really. Um, this comes out of Exodus 30 and 38. Uh, they tell of a half-shekel tax 
Moses levied at the time of the census to form an atonement money. Um, this is not presented as an annual tax, and the Exodus account cannot be based on the present passage because of the half-shekel offering uh, was not introduced until the Hasmonean period. There you go. Um, but anyways, they, they, they're using this, this, this tax that Moses used, that he levies for the atonement, um, and they introduce this as the, the temple tax. Um, uh, what he says here is, uh, we may never, despite the difference in the amounts, mm-hmm. we may nevertheless agree with Haran and others uh, for whom this legislation was based on a midrashic interpretation, interpretation of the half shekel referred to in the Exodus. Okay. That comes from an author named Williamson. Uh, so they're they're introducing this. This is another one of they're just trying to reestablish their rhythms, which right. is a huge aspect that we see here. Of they're they're trying to get their their worship rhythms back consistent and stick with these and really hold firm to them, um, which is, I, I think we could probably, you can pull from that. We need to be, we need to be kind of strict right. in observing our, our worship rhythms. Um, you know, and we, we do have a lot of freedom in that. Yes, we can worship from home in our jammies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is that the best? Right. You know? I'm not talking safety here. Like if they're safe, to, if it's convenient, worship shouldn't always con- be convenient. You know, it means I can't go do things on Sunday morning. I'm at church. Mm-hmm. And, and to a certain degree saying, yeah, I'm going to sacrifice that stuff because my rhythms of worship as a community, as a member of the community of believers is more important. Right. That's so good. There you yep. go. Um, then they introduce a wood offering. Uh, it's not, this law is not directly mentioned in the Pentateuch. This is kind of the one that they, they're, they're coming up with a new rule. Um, it does mention in, uh, Leviticus six, five and six, however, speaks of the requirement that fire should be kept burning continually on the altar and the consequent, consequent need that the priest shall burn wood on it every morning. So they got to keep these fires running and they're like, okay, in order to do that, logistically we have to have the wood right how are we going to get that um uh let's see your practical arrangements had to be made in earlier times it had been the responsibility of the gibeonites to provide wood that comes out of joshua 9 27 but nehemiah had evidently found it necessary to adopt a different approach in 1331 he, he talks about this wood offering um well and i think being in the Northwest where we are surrounded by trees, it's like, oh, you go chop down a tree. Like, sure, right. They are in deserts. I don't remember who it was. Somebody was talking about this. It might have been probably. It was Rob. Rob. He's been there. Yeah. So I remember this, but I, I forget the concept. Yeah. Because I'm in the Pacific Northwest and walk outside. There's a tree. Go chop down a tree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's much of the Judea. The Judean desert, the Judean um, wilderness, we, we think of wilderness <coughs> and we think of Montana. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, the Judean wilderness is desolate in, in large parts. We think, when we think wilderness, it's 
oh, there's more trees. There's too many trees. <laughs> Pine I can't trees get everywhere. through there. Too many trees. Yeah. Cut them down. <laughs> it's the exact opposite. Yeah. So context. There you go. Um, so they introduced this once again, just trying to keep their rhythms of worship. We're establishing how are we going to stay on the path? Right. Um, number six is the offerings of the first fruits of the field, flock, and family. Uh, that first fruits of the field, flock, family. <laughs> Man, that's got a ring to it. Uh, Pre existing laws are found in Exodus 23, 34, Deuteronomy 26. Um, but none of these make clear what the purpose of the offerings serve. Um, Numbers 18 makes clear these offerings were the, for the benefit of the priest. This law took all of those laws and drew them together, gotcha. basically. So we're saying, all right, this, 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 and this are all related, and this is why we do them, and we're going to make it cohesive and one unit, make it simple for us to follow. Uh, and then last but not least, the laws concerning the tithes for the Levites. Um, main Pentateuch texts are found in Numbers 18, 21 through 14? I feel like that's dyslexic there. Numbers 18. Uh, and Deuteronomy 14. And this law brings them together in order to make clear that they are for supporting the Levitical personnel. Which we're going to see in the next week with uh, this upcoming week with Rob here closing out uh, chapter 13 when everything goes haywire. Mm-hmm. Um, when you don't do this, when you don't support the priests... Now they can't do their temple work because they got to go support their families. They got to go find jobs. They got to move away. And suddenly things go off the rails because they're not taking care of taking care of the people that we need to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, now to the question of how well did they observe the sabbaths of the land? Yeah. Yeah. The answer is they didn't. So second chronicles 36, 20 through 22. I had a hard time finding this. I thought this was in 2 Kings, not 2 Chronicles. Uh, But it says, uh, He, being the Lord, took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him. Actually, it must be the king. Um, And his sons until the establishment of the the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths all the days that lay desolate they kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. So each of the Sabbaths that they were supposed to, that the land was supposed to mm-hmm. enjoy, even the land itself is supposed to enjoy a Sabbath. Yep. Right. All of creation. Sabbath is not just for you and I. It's for creation itself. And, and there's a sense that... Um, mm-hmm. As stewards of the land, we need to be protect. We need to protect the land. In mm-hmm. fact, Christians should be should be leading this. Right. Yep. Like we don't just use the land to meet our every whim. Yep. Or every desire. Yeah. There's we're we we're called to uh, tend, right. Mm-hmm. It's the we're supposed to hold dominion over, but that doesn't mean Destroy. rape and pillage the land. Right. That also doesn't mean raise it up and put it on a pedestal and worship it like a god. No, Caveat. there's a balance. There's a balance there. 
Um, the earth is not our mother, but we do have a high responsibility to the earth. And mm-hmm. if the way the Lord dealt with Israel over their lack of Sabbaths of the land, sure. then um, then maybe he's going to hold us accountable as well. Right. There's a, you're supposed to tend a garden. You do shape the garden into your desire, into your design, but you also tend it and take care of it and cherish it. Right. And there's that, there's that balance there that needs to be struck. So it's interesting. So the, the Chronicles account though, that would have been, it would have been written after Nehemiah, but it's referring to a time before this has gone down, correct? This is... That's talking about what drove them into exile? Yes. So they hadn't been they hadn't been following it for sure, and it doesn't sound like they followed it afterwards, right. either. After Nehemiah, mm-hmm. that's what that's what the that's what the the author was saying there. There's, they they don't really have, um, they don't have conclusive records that this was ever occurred. Which could have been gotcha. because it was cyclical, and it wasn't everybody in the nation all at once, but because it was stag- staggered, and so it wasn't written down and recorded in the same manner. Right. Um, so if I bought a piece of property... That and, starts your seven-year count. In two years after you buy a piece of property, instead yep. of saying, okay... So our seven years would be two years apart every time. Right. Could have been. Right. Um I would put good money saying that not everybody followed that for sure. Right. Uh, but well, I can't say that nobody followed it. That's a lot easier to get around because if everybody's seven years sure. is like, all right, in 2021, we're all taking, we're not doing anything. Yep. And the debts. And the debts are all canceled and your s- servants are going right. free. Like, you can. There's not a lot of wiggle room in that because everyone's doing it. But if it's yeah. like, oh, I'm supposed to be in 2021 and you're in 2023, <laughs> like, but oh, oh, here you go. Here's how you get out of it with the servants. Here's your wiggle room. I've got people that are indebted to me, and my six. I'm on year six. Next year, I'm not going to get all this money back. I'm going to have to just let it go. But Jen, your your year seven isn't for like three more years, right? So why don't you just buy their debt off of me? Mm-hmm. And now they transferred over to you with the rest of the debt over to you because you've paid me off. I get all my money now, and you get the years from them, and you just bounce it around. And in three years, when it's time to let right? them go, yeah. That reminds me of uh, oh shoot, it, I just I just learned about this. It was one of the it was one of the founding fathers. Maybe it was Washington. I don't know. We're we're pulling out all of their dirty laundry recently, but uh, he was a slave. It was one of them was a slave owner, and would they uh, couldn't keep slaves for more than six months continually or something in wherever he was at, and so he would take them all out. Like he didn't let them stay there for more than six months, and he would rotate them out so that it wasn't. It was it was very shrewd Mm -hmm. as a business maneuver but it was also kind of a jerk move right um 
So anyway, nonetheless, it would be easy to wiggle around that. And right. yeah, if you did that as a country, that would be earth shattering. Right. Can you imagine that? Whew. Well, I've talked to Marty about this because I've I've wrestled through like what would that look like? And he's had to wrestle with what does this look like for him? And he raises support through his through Impact the U, that's his main money maker. And he's he raises support on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, on the seventh year, he doesn't actively pursue support. Hmm. Wow. And he just trusts God to provide how God wants to provide for that year. Now, that doesn't mean that people don't continue supporting him because he hasn't asked them to. They they typically do. Many right. times they do. Sure. But he's had people drop off and, and other people, you know, step up without without even to ask and <laughs> and so, you know, it's uh and he's had to wrestle with well, how do I live this out? Which is the whole conversation that we see here with them is how do we take this concept and how do I apply it to current place, time, right. and people? Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Cool. All right. Well, it's been a it's been a loaded this this episode of Footnotes has been an episode of Pound Cake right there. <laughs> um this is a, a fully loaded breakfast burrito. I'm making myself hungry now. Oh, I'm go man. find some lunch. Uh, but nonetheless, thanks for joining us. Burritos. And uh, we will be wrapping up Nehemiah, Ezra Nehemiah, this week. Rob's going to drive it home with a, a wham-bam. And uh, then, then we're going to dive into Sabbath for probably not enough weeks. Let's be honest. We're not going to spend enough time talking about Sabbath. And we're gonna be like, why didn't we do this for eight weeks? Right. Although we did get, we did give us an extra week on that one. We did. We got five weeks. We're we're learning. Progress <laughs> is being made. Yay! Us. Oh, good. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks for joining us, and uh, hope to see you on Sunday. Or yeah. if not, drop a comment in the live stream when you're watching with us. Let me know if it sounds like garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that would be great if you're watching and you're like that sounds bad. Drop a comment. Yeah. <laughs> Nonetheless, we'll uh we'll see you next time. Peace. Bye. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed. And that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes.